Hello, Phil here, just popping in before this week's episode starts to tell you some exciting Everybody is Dead Dave news. We now have a merch store. So if you've ever thought, hmm, I'd really like a t-shirt, hoodie, mug, bag or face mask with cartoon versions of Adam and Phil on them, well now is your time. Head on over to every-body-is-dead-dave.creator-spring.com yeah, Sorry about all the dashes there. I'll leave the link in the description of the YouTube version of this podcast as well. Anyway, now we return you to your regular programming. The Dead Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's Dead Dave. What, Tottenham? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's Dead Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is Dead Dave. Hello, welcome to Everybody is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast where we make our way through every single episode of Red Dwarf from the end to the beginning. And uh, that that we in question is myself, Philip Hawkins, a long-term fan of the show that has been watching since the 90s, and Adam Martin. That's me. Yes, the relative newbie to the show. Uh, so first not, six seasons, yeah, got him down, a, you know. You're a newbie to every episode we come to. You've now That's been watching exactly quite right. I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This week, we are talking about the season, season, series, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, series seven episode, Ducked Soup, in which mm. the crew are forced to trawl through a labyrinth of service ducks to restart the mm. engines. Well, this this sort of starts off kind of uh, that the Kachansky and Lister can't sleep for different reasons, but one of them is really uh. hot. Lister's <laughs> really hot. And I do love the fact that... Uh, <laughs> The, there's a readout where he said it's 92 degrees. I'm guessing they're talking Fahrenheit because they'd be dead yeah. if it was Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> Even this is a yeah. British show. It's very strange that they're using Fahrenheit. Yeah, but there bizarre. you go. But also strange is the little thermostat readout that you can see next to his bed that says the temperature and where it says 92 degrees. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's just very clearly a printed sticker. <laughs> Oh, I didn't see it. I mean, it might be my eyes, but no, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's it. It just is obviously printed on there. It's it's not a di- an actual digital display. It's not even mm. attempted to make it look like a proper digital display. It, it's very obviously a sticker with ninety yes. in that kind of digital cl- clock type typeface. Yes, um, yeah, the classic. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. just find it quite funny that they just done this as a. a printed sticker and not really put any effort into making it look hey, the, real the like, budget had to run out somewhere maybe yeah, it was here maybe that is true it and, it, and in many ways this is the budget saving episode because it's, it's the bottle oh, episode um yes where they don't really go anywhere apart from one location two locations well, if you well, include the well it made things. me think with this series because obviously this is the first series we've had which is eight episodes instead of six so i'd like to think they must have had a bigger budget to start with. From you'd, you'd like to think. You'd hope so, yeah. Otherwise, because as you say, yeah, this was the bottle in terms of it was like the main Starbucks set. They don't go on any planets or anything like that. So I, obviously you might know, but I, I'm thinking, are we going to get at least another one like this? You know, because they've added those two extra episodes or if this is going to be the only one. But yeah, I'd be curious to find that out, actually, if there's, you know, a source. If, if any listeners know about the budget stuff, let us know. I'd just be curious to know, do you know what I mean? If the budget was increased for the more, or if they just said, no, we're doing eight this time, but you've still got the same amount of money. Yeah, I, I would have imagined they would have increased it. 
We were yeah. talking before we started recording as well about the uh, missing episode of this mm. series, which yes. uh, was one of the because because there were multiple writers that came on with this series. It wasn't just Doug Naylor. Um, previously, it had obviously been um, uh, the other writers, well, whose name has gone out of my head. Rob, Rob Grant, isn't it? Rob Grant, that's it. Mm. Um, but he had departed at the end of last series. Um, but Doug Naylor brought on some new writers and commissioned several writers to come up with scripts, which didn't make it all the way to the end. But the one that got closest was an episode about Cat, mm. um, which is on the dvds in uh what's the word i'm looking for storyboard form yes yeah, storyboard with chris form, yeah. barry narrating it and doing all the voices so i think we're going to do an episode on that um, yes we'll cover it and it's identity within i think it's called that's the one yeah and the reason it got cut and didn't get make it to the end was budgetary it was the fact that it was too expensive being involved too many locations too many guest actors so this episode i think was written to replace that one Right. Uh, okay. To from what I've read in the the booklet that comes with the DVD, which I had to rush out and buy from CES yesterday. <laughs> oh, the emergency! Yeah. <laughs> anybody Cheers, that follows Brit our Box. Twitter account will have seen this. <laughs> I went to watch the episode uh, where, the day we were due to record it, and found out that it had disappeared from BritBox. So oh, yeah. I had to. Luckily, my local CEX, which is for those who don't know, who may be abroad, is a kind of local. Well, a, a chain store in the UK yeah, which like sells second hand DVDs, yeah. video games, electronics, that kind of thing. And luckily, I had noticed a couple of weeks ago that they had almost every series of Red Dwarf in there. Really cheap as well. They're only by about chance. a pound each. Yeah. And I went back and thankfully, some of them had sold, but thankfully not this series. So I managed to pick <laughs> it up on DVD to watch. Yeah. And can I just say, before we crack on with the story, a gripe with the Blu-ray, which is really weird. So I'm watching these on Blu-ray. I've got the Series 1 to 8 box set. Now, Series 1 to 6 were across... Well, they had two discs each dedicated to them, right? Disc 1, for all of them, were the six episodes, or, you know, all the episodes in the season. And Disc 2 would be the special features, you know, the Smeg-Ups, the documentaries, anything like that. Hmm. Now, Series 7, I didn't realise, has three discs. And on disc one, it's just the first three episodes of the series. So I loaded it in, went through all the copyright screens, and this episode wasn't there. So I was like, what? And it's on disc two, which has the rest, and then disc three is special features. So unless disc three is like jam-packed, the need to put it across three discs, considering Blu-ray has way more storage than DVD, just seems very bizarre. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a small minor gripe. But I've got to say in this opening, though, as fun as it was to see, I haven't said this in a while, actually. Um, Adam's age-old criticism is coming back. Oh. The jokes were too long. Um, no, get the I just bingo thought, cards um, out. Get the bingo. We should do that, actually. Adam says it's too long. No, I just thought, like, the concepts were good. Like, you know, Lister being, like, the to pee or not to pee thing and, and Kachansky going mad at the pipe. Like, good... I don't know what it was. And again, obviously, as I always say, because to avoid angry commenters, comedy's subjective. It's all different. But for me, yeah, the these segments, if you like, just went on a little bit too long. Do you know what I mean? I felt like the the peak of the jokes they were going for came and went, and then we were just hanging around. And I was like, okay, can we go somewhere else now? Do you know what I mean? That's how I, I felt. Yeah, I do. And they they're not that funny jokes. No, in not this really. Bit. You know, it's Kachansky getting a bit neurotic about the annoying pipes and the fact that they're not doing the same pattern that she had established that they were doing you know they go yeah. and then they go 
something else and then but then they throw in a squeakle or something and uh she gets annoyed at that and that that's kind of her bit and then there's yeah. as you said there's lister who's trying to decide if he's going to pee or not and then eventually goes for a shower and he comes out and says two birds one stone <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's the yeah. slob lister we're used to, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then so. retrieves his pillow from the fridge. Um, I've heard about this pillow in a fridge trip, but I've never done it myself. I've never had room what, in my fridge. It, what's it meant to do? Just it's cool, meant to just oh, cool, cool down, down. The fr- and just be nice to, to lay on afterwards in a, in a hot sort of, if you're in a heat wave or whatever, just be nice hmm. and cool. I've never done it because I've never had enough free space in my fridge. But um, <laughs> have you ever put a pillow I, in a fridge I, I can't say i have phil can't say i have <laughs> has anybody else tried this at home yeah I mean, let I've us know if you've it. tried this does it work yeah i did like the comment though at the start of the next scene when kachansky bumps into Crichton and he says oh look it's princess leia that made me laugh a little bit yes so star wars survives as a cultural institution into it the 20 does. whatever they are they are in century because we've had fourth 23rd something 24th like that. something like that yeah but we've had we've had star trek referenced haven't we before. that's true we have yeah so both star wars and star trek exist within this universe and um, the flintstones and the flintstones not doctor who yet of course we mentioned about little Doctor Who Easter eggs, but they haven't directly, as far as I've heard, like referenced anything there. So maybe the jury's out on that one. Maybe. Maybe that just yeah. didn't survive into the 21st, 22nd, yeah, 23rd, maybe. whatever century they're in. Maybe. Which is sad. Yeah. This whole scene with Crichton establishes the sort of core dynamics of the episode where yes, yeah. Crichton, again, we established this last week. I kind of like that it's carrying over the fact that he's slightly jealous and doesn't really like Kachansky being there. Yeah, he doesn't care for it at all, really. Not really, no. No. Um, and that it also kind of continues over these things from last episode of Kachansky being out of place, feeling out of place because she's the only woman. Because she still talks about how this is a boy's fridge while taking shoes out of it. Again, something I'd like to point out that I have never put in a fridge. Nope. Can't say I've done that either. Is is that I guess similar principle? Like keep your feet. I cold, assume cool so. On a, yeah, on, on a, a hot day. day. I don't know. Yeah, okay. but yeah. I, I, do you know what though? This whole scene, as fun as moments were, like it was. It's weird because obviously we're still getting used to this Kachansky, not just the actor but the character as well. And the whole how she was acting about the situation. Part of me thought this. I wasn't clicking with it at first, but then I did write. I was like, well, I have to remind myself this is technically a very different Kachansky in general not just actor you know this is a different Kachansky to the one we knew from series one two from and a onwards, different you universe. know what I mean mm. yeah so yeah but yeah I, I but I couldn't help but feel that at first I was like I don't know about do you know what I mean I was like I don't know about this I think we discussed it last week as well when we had Sophie on I think at first where we were a bit not hesitant but you know, it's different it's very different it so is. I think I've and just got we, to remember that. We talked about last week about how the way they were writing her, you know, were they going to fall into the, the traps of portraying, you know, the, the, the one woman in the crew as sort of like always needing help, always being that kind of stereotype of the nagging one and et cetera, yes. et cetera. But apparently, yeah. interestingly, it was the actress herself that asked, to be able to play up the sort of neuroses of the character which is right. a, quite a heavy feature of this episode i think yes yeah so oh, if it was the actor's choice for i think it's just it's that thing when you go chronologically my i'm a i'm adapting to the new this new kachansky 
So I think yeah. that's what I keep telling myself. It's not not trying to criticize uh, Chloe Annette's performance. I think it's just my mind being like that. This isn't the same Kachansky as the one you saw before. That's what I need to keep telling myself. Yeah, yeah, and th- and this episode does play up a lot of these male female stereotypes quite a lot yeah to to mix to mix success i think yeah Crichton makes a joke about or or somebody i can't remember which one of them says it initially but somebody says something about knickers being watching women i think kachansky says it first yeah and then we cut to the the washroom scene and they're actually cat and lister are actually doing that did did anyone actually ever do that any old any any older members of the audience you want to let us know if that ever actually happened because that just to me me at least that just seems really weird it does seem weird doesn't it like Like why why would you do some underwear go around a washing machine titillating at all i'm not entirely sure i mean hey maybe in the pre-internet days who, who who knows but i'd Again, if the, if you're a listener, if this if if you knew this happened, if you knew someone who did this, don't you don't have to out them, but just let us know that this was a thing because yeah, and again, you know, this was made in what 1997, so it's it time has moved on, but yeah, I just it was just very very big. maybe it was just a thing for this episode, do you know what I mean? Maybe just a thing for that, but I I I'd like to think this never happened in real life, but it probably did. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a symptom of being stuck in deep space. For Maybe. three million years without <laughs> without anything else <laughs> Possibly, to, to, yeah. to like you you descend to watching underwear in yeah. a washing machine. I don't know, but I did I did like the line that uh, Craig Charles then has that he decides he's too mature for this and he's going to go back to reading his comic. Yes, yeah, great oxymoron there. Exactly, yeah. That got that a laugh out of me, and and I say that as an adult comic reader, so. Yeah. <laughs> No shame, folks. No, no, no shame, shame but it's it still got a laugh out of me. Um, she, uh, one thing that Kachansky does drop is that she was brought up in the, in as she says, the trendier part of Glasgow. So she is Scottish, despite Which, not having a Scottish accent. Yeah, and, and, and I wrote at first, I was like, that makes me wonder. They've referenced it. So why didn't they give her this? Because I can't remember from the early days, because obviously she did have a Scottish accent. But was she presented in those first few seasons as being like a prim and proper, like posh person? Because because the way she, you know she talks about her past about going to like you know that the good school and oh she yeah. mentioned it last week. Well, like I was mean, that a she, thing before? She was an officer, so maybe possibly. Uh, she well, was sort uh, of uh, it were among the higher ranks of the ship. Hmm. So. It made maybe, me think, maybe. though, and this is this is just a theory, just speculation. The whole thing about a Scottish accent. Maybe they went with a more like standard English RP because I thought, is this maybe to try and help like get the Rimmer vibe? Because of course Rimmer's not here in this yeah. episode at all. He's for those maybe you are new. Well, you got to go back and catch up. But um, and I must be honest, I didn't feel the gap at first. But it was as that scene was going on where she's talking about Glasgow. And her childhood. And then, I don't know, my head was like, oh, yeah, but she sounds a bit like Rimmer, you know, in terms of, like, accent and stuff. So maybe is it is it trying to fill that vibe? Again, this yeah. is just a theory. It I've could got be. no or confirmation maybe just of it. But... Chloe Arnett can't do a Scottish accent, possibly. <laughs> and so <laughs> Maybe not, maybe not. Or didn't not, want but... to do a Scottish accent, possibly. Maybe she requested yeah. that that she didn't do a Scottish accent. I and don't I guess know, again, but they liked her enough. And they can get away with, again, different Kachansky and types, parallel worlds, you know. Yeah, maybe, you can get yeah, away with she just, maybe she grew up a bit more posher in, in that world and she got sent to a private yeah. school or something where she didn't yeah. in the other one, which drilled in a more 
English. Just an interesting theory to contemplate. Reason. I thought I was like, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, but, yeah. it's very strange. I but do Lister's like... being a good gentleman, isn't he? In the, the, well, at the start of this episode, he is. Yes, he is clearly trying to, and it's pointed out that he is not being his usual self. He's being less slobby. He's being, uh, you know, a, a a bit more mature. He's trying to be more mature uh, in order to impress her. Yes. Yeah. And he's and he goes so far as to like run her a bath. Yes, yeah, very kind, uh, very kind. Because she's obviously very stressed. He offers her her his room, which isn't next to the horrible engine noise that's causing the pipes, or the waste disposal unit that's causing the the pipes yes. to make all that horrible noise. So for the night, he's going to offer her his room, the hill swap rooms, and he's run her a nice bath with stuff. Um, I think he, although it's it is hinted he has an ulterior motive there because he does start hinting like, so you know, I'll yep. I'll, I'll go then. Shall I? But I like um, that. She very swiftly is like, yeah, all right. Bye-bye then. Or whatever. Or she's like, oh, cool. Well, the bit I like was where he's like, you know, give me a shout if you need anything. And she's like, I won't. <laughs> like she just, I like that. That made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, and this is where Crichton's paranoia, because he comes in, comes into full Crichton's force. vision. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like vision of like the potential future of if this bath goes ahead and Lister rubs her back, that it's going to lead to these two getting together and imagining him uh, asking him to leave and saying they've outgrown him and they don't need him anymore yeah and they find him embarrassing and that oh he's a robot and, yes and they and want they... to have dinner parties and first when they first said that i was like who are you gonna have dinner parties with you're in deep space and you don't, <laughs> yeah. there's no other humans around then we find out who they're gonna have dinner parties with in, in Crichton's imagination yeah it's the gelf it's the <laughs> yeah for some for some the gelf who are currently hunting them but oh, you know, in this world, it's all been it's all been sorted out. You know, it's all been sorted out. He, he's got an amicable divorce from his girlf wife. Amicable divorce. Now yeah. he's inviting her and her. Isn't it lovely that you know he can invite his ex around exactly. with their new partner to come and have yeah. dinner together? It's, it's hard. What's it? Wholesome. Very wholesome. Very wholesome. But, um, yeah. Also, it was also a bit sad. You know, and the, you know, you hear the audience like go, "Oh," and he asked to. Li-. I mean. Partly down to Robert Llewellyn's, I think, performance as well. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't go over the top with like bursting into tears. But you know the way he portrays Crichton's in this vision, like you know the shock and the the sadness. I don't know. I thought it was yeah, it was a mixture. It was really funny, but it was also like, oh man, that's that's really sad. But yeah, yeah it's definitely his paranoia getting a uh, getting the best of him. They really zoomed into his eye as well, and I was like, whoa, you can tell this was filmed on standard definition videotape. At least on the blue, because you know when it like goes closer to his eye like that, it like zooms. I'm doing something with my hand, folks. Like <laughs> it zooms in. Um, it might. Well, at first I thought, oh, is that like an overlay? But then when it zooms out, it doesn't change. And I was like, oh yeah, they just zoomed in on a standard definition image. And you know when you do that and you're watching it on Blu-ray, bit blocky. But you know it was what they had. It's fine. yeah. They all end up in this. I can't remember how the cat ends up in there as well. But they all end up in there. At, um, in this in Lister's quarters at, at yeah, one how point. How does he end up in there? I can't remember. It's really bad that we... Or does he just walk in? He might probably, just walk in. Probably just walks in. As he does. Goes yeah. to see what's going on, what all the kerfuffles about. And then there's a power failure and they're all locked in the cabin because the doors have sealed and there's mm. no power and they're going to go through an asteroid field in 12 hours. So they need to get, get to the cockpit. And um, yes. so the bath's off. And now they have to call, crawl through the ducts of the ship. They do. Um, that's ducts, not ducts. Ducts, yes. I always struggle with that. 
Yeah, and we learn pretty quickly that Lister's claustrophobic. And I've got to admit here, to start with, as soon as they were like, right, you know, Kachansky was like, I'll stay with you, and the others went off, part of me did think, I was like, please don't tell me he's acting claustrophobic just to get some alert. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because they, saw, they sort of gave that hint. Yeah. yeah, like the whole thing with the bath, and then he's like, oh yeah, maybe I'll stick her out. Uh, it was only for a moment, but I was like, please don't tell me we're just doing this as like a as a ploy, you know? Because I think then that's a bit... I don't know, that, just, that, that idea doesn't sit well with me, but thankfully it doesn't go down that route, I'm happy to say. It didn't go down that route. No. So. And the claustrophobia, I think, had been referenced before. Um, I think there's a scene, I think way, way, way back when, uh, you remember Confidence and Paranoia? Oh, yes. I think yeah. getting some, there's something about bit, the space suit. I think he says something about maybe oh, he being might claustrophobic. Do, yeah. yeah. Possibly. Oh, that's a long time ago, isn't that it? That is a long time us. ago. That's... It's hard to remember. I mean, that was good to what? Six yeah. months more or more it ago. It was, yeah. <laughs> For us. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, but they do get some alone time, if you like. Kachansky and Lister. Yeah, and they have a conversation about her Dave. Mm. Uh, where she tells him that he wasn't her... He, they weren't really a couple, him and yeah. her Dave. They were just yeah. friends. Yeah. And that he wasn't her type. Yes. And then she says... He was gay. He was gay, yes, yeah. <laughs> Which kind of throws um, Lister, our Lister, a bit. Being the stereotypical <laughs> heterosexual male who is like, what? Gay people? What? Yeah. Question mark? Like, yeah, and there are, some, yeah. there are some stereotype things in this bit. Like he mentions that, you know... What was it? The big he, he mustache? Be bay- yeah, he couldn't be gay. He can't even grow a mustache. Yeah, I heard that and I was like, hmm. Yeah. Mm. And then there was, you know, the friend he called Bent Bob. Uh, yeah. So that- <laughs> yeah, behind his back as well. Yeah. Out, you know, which again yeah. is. And this you know, is when she's challenging him on, oh, do you even have any gay friends? Because she says, I had loads of gay friends on the yeah. on Red Dwarf. And he's like, so did I. Uh, and it's like, who? And then he has to, he really struggles to think of one. And he Which is like says, the stereotypical defense, isn't it? Of the, of those out there who, are, I guess, are like, you know, very macho. They go, oh, I've got loads of gay friends. And you're like, right, who? And they're like, uh, <laughs> so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, but I don't, I don't class them as a friend. But I, yeah, I did like the line though, because obviously Kachansky's being framed as the progressive one, which I like considering this is 1997. Yeah. Um, but I like the line where, what was it? She's like, um. She's talking about in her universe at first who who was gay, like Tom Hunter or whatever, that that person. Todd Hunter, says. yeah. That's it, yeah. And it's like, oh, he says, I didn't know they were gay. And it's like, oh, what? She says, like, you just didn't know that they were? It was I that line about, like... Is. Or it was something to do with that line about, you, you like, Lister's been surrounded by gay people. He just didn't know that they were. Yeah. That sort of, like, not being out and proud, which I, I it was, you know, because I think that's still sadly exists maybe not as much as it did 25 years ago but you know i'm sure there are some out there who are gay and for whatever reason feel like they can't be open about it which is a shame so it's like in that context you could say yeah like in your workplace there might be gay people who work there but you just don't know because they don't tell you for whatever reason so yeah no i just however it was delivered i just liked that line i thought it was delivered very well yeah so i mean i i feel a bit I don't know how to feel about this scene because it ends with her basically saying she made it all up to to distract him from yes. his claustrophobia. 
So yeah. she, so I guess she was in a relationship with her Dave in the end. I think. Yeah, and I mean, this it was is all one left the, a bit unclear. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the longest scenes as well that like we've had in Red Dwarf. Do you know what I mean? Like of just two characters just talking. Um, and I know, like you said, this is the budget saving episode. So I guess that allows us more time. And I do like these longer scenes with Lister in particular, because I think we've said of this series so far, it is giving him a lot more development as a character. But yeah, with this whole this whole thing, like, well, uh, the first part, so with Kachansky, I think I would have preferred it if the stuff about alternative Lister being gay was real. Yeah, I think it would have had a greater like impact or weight to the scene. And she was just trying to make a point about Dave, you know, whether it was our Dave being, whether it was, you know, more accepting or more uh, alert or more, you know, whatever the aim was. I just think it would have been more powerful if that, if that hadn't been a, ah, got you, you know, just trying to. Yeah, but but it wasn't really a got you. Not was, a got you, no, was, sorry, wrong term. Because but... I do quite like the fact that it, it, it was to take his mind off the claustrophobia and it worked. And mm. he... You know, he realizes after that, oh, yeah, I'm, I am fine. Of course, two minutes later, the cat comes in and undoes all that good work. But, uh, yes. but at that moment, it's you're like, oh yeah, thanks. That and it was a useful thing. So I'm kind of in two minds about it. I kind of I, from a wider storytelling perspective, outside of this particular plot, I think yeah, that would have been interesting if her Dave had actually been gay. Mm. But in this particular moment, it kind of it, it makes. I don't know, it just makes sense and, and no, that's it fair enough. works. That's fair enough. We can mm. leave it to the to the, the what-if land. And uh, yeah. as you say, Cat comes along and sort of ruins the whole clock, uh, yeah. distraction thing, which did make me chuckle. Immediately talking about right? like, how they're in a cramped space yeah. again. And, like, which is oh. typical Cat, isn't it, really? Like, Completely like oblivious to anybody else's sort of yeah. feelings. And but then we get this... On. We get this, uh, again, another, like, just scene of the two of them talking. And he's, you know, Lister's talking about cashier number four that he fell in love with. And I've got to be honest, the punchline for the the whole thing didn't really quite land for me. I don't know mm. what it was. Um, I'm not going to say it went on too long. Um, but it's, like, you know, because he starts to start, oh, cashier number four, fell in love with her. You're like, okay, you know, we're getting a story here that has a punchline. Um, but I don't know, it just it just didn't land for me and when the scene transitioned i was like oh all right that was that was it <laughs> do you know what i mean i just i guess i'm questioning whether this this interact obviously it's great with lister and cat but i i don't know part of me thinks could we have done something else with that two three minutes that's just me though just my mm. what did you yeah. think um yeah i mean I, the st- like you say the story about the cashier didn't really go anywhere particularly interesting i guess um it just sort of happened. He just yeah. sort of tells it, and then it's like, right, and now, and now this, and it's like, but what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just yeah. didn't work for me. And the, uh, uh, while this is going on, Kachansky has gone off um, and is helping Crichton, and they have their own little conversation. And mm. he's like, "In which case, ma'am, why does he keep looking at you in the same way a starving man would look at a packet of roasted peanuts?" <laughs> well, it's because it's because, ma'am, he can't wait to get the wrapper off and taste the salty goodness. <laughs> Also, he says, I see the way you look at him as well. She's all defensive. She's like, no, I'm taken. So I guess actually, yes, she must be with the other Dave. Yeah, um, yeah. So she says, I'm taken. And there, there's a recurring thing about cottage cheese with pineapple chunks because she was, there was, that was part of the like stereotype conversation earlier was that Crichton says, oh, something about all oh, you women, you, you want your cottage cheese with pineapple chunks. Or yeah, something like that. yeah, yeah. 
And here he says he looks at her like he, she looks at him like he's cottage cheese with pineapple chips. I've never <laughs> heard of cottage. Is that a ver- that sounds like a very eighties type? Of, to me, that uh, sounds disgusting. It I doesn't think of anything worse. Actually, like, yeah. honestly, if you like it, fair enough. But the the idea of that combination just makes me feel a bit icky. Yeah, and then there's the kind of accidental reveal that she accidentally reveals something to him. <laughs> Oh, the rusty gate. The rusty gate story, because he says, oh, Mr. Lister tells me everything. You mean he told you about the rusty gate? Oh, the rusty gate. That was one of the first things he told us. <laughs> we all had a good laugh about that. He told you that? He told you that I make a sound like a rusty gate when I'm making love? He told you that? No, he told us his grandma once had a rusty gate and he... Uh... I'll fix it. <laughs> but then he's like, he's files that under blackmail to use later. Mm. Which makes me think we're going to have more of this Crichton Kachansky beef or confrontation as the as the series progresses. Yeah, the kind of conflict doesn't really resolve in this episode, does it? They no, they just sort of talk about it and then and you know if, if they're going to resolve it later on, that's fine. But like you say, where they have this com- it just sort again it just sort of happens and then we move on to the next thing. So. Um, but yeah, um, isn't it, it, it might be this scene. I could be wrong. Is there the joke about the salted peanuts? Something like that. I can't, it, I, I just wrote goodness me. Cause it took me by surprise. Cause it's very on the nose. Um, <laughs> separate you. though. I really like the music in this episode. Um, I oh, thought there okay. was lots of great little incidental music notes. Like when they're crawling, there was one sting where they're like, when they're crawling through like some really nice synth notes there. Um, when Crichton has his vision, the music there I thought was really good. Uh, yeah, just a lot of great incidental music. I've commented on it before, but some certain episodes stand out to me more music-wise, and I'd say this was definitely one of them. So. You know what? I don't think I've ever really paid much attention to the music in Red Dwarf, other than when they break into song. Um, yeah. Well, there's not that much, because, uh, like, you know, with a sitcom, there's never really that much music overall, because, you, you know, you need the laugh track and you need to hear the... That's true, but they probably have, and again, I haven't really noticed it, but they, thinking about it, they probably have increased it a bit this series with their whole trying to make it more cinematic Mm. um, and everything Mm. that they were trying to do. So, but uh, but I didn't notice it myself. No, for sure. I just, what I heard, I really liked. Um, On cinematics, though, what did you think about the whole, you know, riding through the the ducks with the water, if you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. It, it was it was a nice idea. It was built up fairly nicely because we get the scene where Cat, using his advanced cat hearing, of course, mm. hears the water coming and he doesn't quite get what he's like. It's a whooshy, watery thing. Yes, and yeah. it takes Lister to go to realise what it is. And then we get, after they've escaped that one, we get the dryer. And again, Cat is very vague. It's like, yeah, there's this whooshy, drying hot sound yeah uh, um but yeah they do eventually use that to get where they want to go quickly because they realize they've been knocked off course and are actually heading into a sun so they ride they sort of surf it yeah. um it was okay it looked uh, <laughs> no like there was a few reuse shots in there yeah like very quickly reuse shots i was like oh didn't we just see that and then you know when they hit the rail at the end, like when they come to the end of the ride, yeah. if you like, and they're up against the grate. That was it. Just it just seemed a little weird. Like the first few seconds, because obviously it's funny. You know they've hit this grate and they're all like jammed against it, and they're like ah. But it just seems like they held that shot for like a very long. Or it felt like they held it for a very long time. 
yeah. I don't know if you felt that. Like, I guess that was probably to to give us time to take in how wet and disheveled they all looked. Yeah, I, I, I don't guess. know. Again, this is remember, folks. It's all just subjective. But to me, I was like, this is going on for like we're holding here for a very, or it felt like a very yeah. long time. I don't know when they do then go down through uh, for a grating or whatever to get to hopefully where they were planning on going they realize they are back at the quarters where they started off full circle and we're sorry we haven't mentioned this yet but before they surf the uh thingamajig Crichton reveals something that he's been oh of course yes keeping secret with the uh with the thermostat yeah he overloaded the thermostat so and why did he do that? He couldn't Phil? have her bath <laughs> because he didn't want her to have a bath and then get, have a back rub from Lister, and they end up together and discard him. What I kind of like, though, in that in that revelation, obviously, Crichton typically is you know like the, oh, very high, like he does his high voice thing again. That yeah, I he did last that last time. episode as well, didn't he? It was. Um, it does work. To be fair, yeah. I think it does. Um, but what I liked is obviously Kachansky's like, oh my god, I can't believe this because you know to her they talked about it last time and. You know, it was the end of last episode when he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get along with you. But he's like, not really. Um, I like how Lister doesn't dwell on it in that moment. He's just sort of like, we haven't got time for this and cracks on. I don't know. I just like that. I just like that. I yeah. like that he he acknowledges, obviously, how daft it is on Crichton's part. But he doesn't go on a big spiel about, you know, oh, that that's do you know what I mean? He just sort of gets on with the task at hand. I just I like that. Yeah. Um, Although he does mention something in the in the quarters, you say well, another I was gonna revelation. Say, there, to there's come. another yeah. revelation where he, you know, he not only uh, knocked did the thing that ended up putting them in trouble in the first place and locking them in the room, but actually they weren't even locked in the room because he had Mm-mm. he had undone the thing that would lock down the doors, so they could have got out any time. But mm. he wanted them to be distracted so that she wouldn't have the bath. So hence the so he put through he put Lister through all of that, all that claustrophobia. Yeah. For yep. no reason whatsoever. And Lister is fuming. And I like the absolutely. fact that you can see that he's absolutely fuming. But like you said, he doesn't go on a massive big like speech about it. He's just like, yeah. I will deal with you later. And he storms yeah. out because they've got to yeah. move the ship from crashing into the sun. Yeah. And then it we're left with um Crichton and Kachansky, aren't we? Um, and well, and what we can explain what happens there. Yeah, well, initially she seems kind of the most calm about it and the most okay about it. Yeah, she like, doesn't and, seem too annoyed. And Crichton's like, "Oh wait, I think I realise you have taken this as a as a opportunity to bond with your fellow crew members." <laughs> and and she's just standing there, sort of smugly smiling at him while he's yeah. going on this thing about how she's used it to learn a lesson and things. And uh, yeah, and then she just hits him with the spanner <laughs> repeatedly, repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the episode ends. Um, yeah, I mean, this an in- interesting episode. I wrote like. Uh, Again, I didn't think until you said it at the beginning that this is like the bottle episode. But now that you say that, that it makes so much sense as we're going back through it. And part of me, I don't know what you think, part of me thinks it works to the show's advantage in this episode. Right. And then there's other parts where, to me, it feels like it doesn't. Yeah, um, I yeah, I agree. Because we know Red Dwarf can do like limited sets. You know, the whole first season was was like one or yeah. two sets, and so we know it works. Sort of very, they, the episode Marooned was in many ways structurally very similar yeah. to this. Um, yeah, but there's just certain bits that, for me at least, just didn't didn't quite. I think we've gone through them, but like you know, some of the jokes, the longer scenes, um, 
yeah, just some of it just didn't land. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that's, like you said, if uh, if identity within the missing episode was shelved, it makes me wonder how quick, like how much time did they have to, you know, write this to fill? Was it during the, you know, the early stages or was this decided? It, mu- it must have been early-ish if they were only on the storyboard. So I don't know how far that yeah. is. Do you know what I mean, though? I'm wondering how much time in the preparation of this series they had to craft this as a replacement. Yeah. I I think that there's a lot there's a lot in this episode which I think I like in concept and I think was needed because like mm. this is basically the Kachansky integrating herself into the crew episode. Yes. Um after she after the you know the episode where she comes aboard. And there's a lot of that kind of establishing of uh, the dynamics between the cast, um, well, between her and Lister and between her and Crichton particularly. I mean, it's not much between her and the cat, but mm. that's always the way with the cat. That was probably needed. And, and, there's some, and there's some nice stuff in there. But there's also, I don't know, there's just a lot of it that just doesn't, they're kind of like nice as individual little bits. Yeah. That kind of feel like they're necessary. And there is some good character stuff in there um but it just doesn't gel i don't know there's just something about it that doesn't gel it's like the cohesion that binds it all together it's just sort of haphazard a bit sometimes Mm. like i was saying we get these scenes where they go on like the longer scenes which is fine in concept but then like like sometimes if it's a joke the punchline just sort of happens and then we move scenes and it's like right so what you know what was what was the idea there it just, yeah, this is the first time in a while where I felt a Red Dwarf episode has just sort of been like a bit all over the place in a way. Yeah. Um, not not always in a bad way. As we've said, there's a lot, there's there are good bits to it. But yeah, especially for this series as well, which I've really enjoyed so far, Series 7. Um, obviously, we've gone from, you know, doing everything they do, like jumping about different places, different locations. So yeah, obviously, it's a stark contrast. But yeah, I don't know, it just... It fell a little short for me compared to the last three episodes of this series, personally. But I'm sure it has its fans too. Um, before we do our regular segments, a fun fact. On the Blu-ray, um, there is an extended edition. There is on the DVDs as well. Oh, is um, there? I yeah, only watched I, the standard one. So but... did I, because I figured that's the one we should, probably should review. Um, yeah. But... I noticed in the runtime, the extended one is about four minutes longer. Uh, and I think one of those minutes is a title sequence. Because I, I, I pressed play to like find out the the length um but i noticed on the standard edition on the blu-ray anyway it just opens with red dwarf seven and then goes like a tight you know a title card if you like and then goes straight into it whereas when i hit play on the extended edition it does the full title seat you know yes. title sequence with the music so i'm guessing one of those min- <laughs> one of those minutes is a title sequence but yeah if you're curious then you can watch the extended edition actually let me just grab the dvd because it does say in the booklet what i think was missing ah okay uh, so it looks like in the extended edition, there was, uh, we learn a bit more about Kachansky's background and we mm. also would have followed the cat on a deranged journey of logic, which seems to place him at the center of the universe. I'm intrigued what that's about. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I might go back and check it just for that. That sounds weird and wavy. But... Yeah. And the title sequence, as you said. Oh, that it does say that, does it? It's including yeah. the full title sequence, right? Okay. Well, at least at least we know that was intentional. But yeah, there you go. Uh, but also I noticed where before you hit play on the extended one on the Blu-ray anyway, it points out there's no laughter track for some reason. Oh, okay. Which would have been interesting because it, I mean, it's been 
yeah, it would have just been weird. But yeah, I might go back and watch that now eventually just to just to see. Yeah. Um, but as you said, we do have some regular features we like mm-hmm. to do. So um, the first of those is favorite character. Yes. What's uh, yours? Well, even though I've criticized bits with him, I'm going to give it to Lister. Um, I like it when Craig Charles is a, is allowed through these scripts to like not just be the sl- like the slob in a way. He gets to do more like character driven stuff, like whether it's him attempting to act like a gentleman or uh, when he has his claustrophobia. I don't know, like just like quieter moments with Lister, if you like, and like you said at the end, how he sort of reacts to Crichton. It's it feels like not not typical Lister in a good way. So through all that and through the continued development he's been getting, I'm going to give it to Lister. I really enjoyed him. Kachansky was a close second. I'll give it that for, yeah. for similar re- for similar reasons, but I'll give it to Lister this time. Yeah, I was trying to decide between Kachansky and Lister because they both do have some nice moments. Some of them together, some of them separate. That get kind of delve, sort of give us an insight a bit more into their character. Give them something like in Lister's case, something to do that we don't often see from him. But I, I went for Kachansky in the end. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything, any particular major reason why I, her over Lister, but I picked Lister last week, so I'm, I, I thought I'd go for Kachansky this week. Fair enough. Uh, what about your funniest moments? What was your funniest moment of the episode? My funniest moment. Uh, I've got. I'm going to give it to Crichton's vision. It really tickled okay. me. Just like how it was all handled, the dialogue, the music, the acting from the three involved, and the surprise appearance of the Gelf. I mean, that alone, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely Crichton's. It was the. It's the bit I laughed at the most. So that's what I'm going to give it to. What about uh, you? I'm going to give it to the Rusty Gate conversation between <laughs> Kachansky and Crichton. Okay, which okay. Which I, I found quite funny. That was, I mean, it came out of nowhere when she said her side. I was like, oh, okay. So. Yeah, it's, it, I think it was that moment when, it's particularly that moment where Crichton goes, oh, no, I I, I'm, I was talking about the, yeah, the, 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 penny the story about the, the gate of his grandma or something like that. And finally, we like to give these a mark out of 10, a, a out of 10 scutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is your mark out of 10 for these? How many scutters I'm going to give 10? this one a six, which I know is one of our, lo- I don't know if that, no. Is that my lowest? Maybe. Can't remember. I don't know. What did you, what did uh, you give um, Body Swap? <laughs> we always come back. Poor old Body Swap. Um, may, I think it was, was it lower than a six? Maybe. I'll have to go back and listen. But yeah, I'm giving this a six because, like I said, especially compared to what we've had in Series 7 alone, this one feels less cohesive than the first three. It feels less... uh, Well, I found it less funny. Um, Yeah, it just just felt like a bit of... It probably wasn't the intention, but it just felt like a bit of we don't really know what we're doing with this episode. Or or a bit, we need to fill time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you said, we've got this spot. We can't do identity within. we got to do something. So here you go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels, yeah. Again, if you like, if, if anyone out there likes Duck Soup, great. It just didn't really click with me as other episodes in this series have. So yeah, six out of 10 for me. I am also giving it six out of ten. So ah, um, there you go. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. There, as I said, there are there are individual elements, little moments in it that I really like, uh, where we get to delve into a bit of the characters. But as a whole, it just didn't. 
and I can't even really put my finger on it. There's just something about it that didn't quite work for me. Yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah. I I think you hit the nail on the head. I would. I just the same. Like I came away from it being like, like you said, there were little moments I enjoyed, mm. but on the whole, it was like, okay, what? Yeah, I did. I just didn't get the same feeling I did from other episodes this series. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, let us know what you think of it in the comments below if you're watching the YouTube version of this or if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other places you can listen to the audio version of this mm-hmm. podcast, then um, just drop us a line on our Twitter, which is yes, at yeah. Pod, and you can tell us what you think about the episode um, yeah. on there as well. All opinions are welcome, you know, we, we've all got them. So, but Absolutely. Yeah, just because we don't like all... this episode, I mean, it's, it's bound to be somebody's favourite somewhere. Yeah, they can't all be winners, can they? But, you know. Hey, we've we've had a pretty good track record, though, with Red Dwarfs. Like, most of them, I think, we've given, like, at least seven or higher. I think so, in yeah. This journey. There's very few times like this where we've gone below seven, I feel. Poor yeah. old Body Swap being one of them. <laughs> Which is, like, the episode we just seem to deride again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. we did not get on with that one. But, um, no. but let's hope we next episode will be better. Um, yes fingers crossed and we enjoy it some more mm. uh, i'm looking forward from my own memories of it i'm looking forward to next episode i won't tell you oh. why but there is a moment <laughs> in it which i have very fond memories of and i'm very much looking forward to seeing what your reaction is to it right okay do- well yeah folks next week's clearly not one to miss then for, for that reason alone but yeah no, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to, I've already given out the podcast Twitter account, but what about our own social medias and yes. elsewhere on the web? Where can we people find you, Adam? Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Adam Martin, just with a Y. I should pop up, do all sorts of stuff. I've recently started, well, at the time we're recording this, I've started to try live streaming again on YouTube, which is good fun. I've, I've finally found a setup you know, despite being classed as a young buck, streaming technology scares me. Um, but, but I think I found a setup that works. So yeah, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, streams will be a semi-regular thing. So it'd be great to have you there. On Twitter as well, Adam Martin AMTV, you can keep up to date with my nonsense. And um, what about you, Phil? Uh, well, you can find me on YouTube if you're not already there listening to this. It's just Philip Hawkins, which is my name. And uh, you can find me, there's a picture of me in front of some Randalls. I some TARDIS Randalls. I talk about all sorts of geeky pop culture. This podcast goes up there as well as things like Star Trek, MCU, and the, the probably the biggest portion of my channel is taken up with Doctor Who, which at the time of recording is on air right now. So I'm doing weekly <laughs> reviews. It will have finished by the time this episode goes out. But yes. if you fancy going back and, and seeing what I thought of all of Doctor Who flux, then all of those reviews will be up there for you to enjoy. There we go. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week, I guess. See you later. See you later.